The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 884 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Hopefully we waited long enough to record that the imprint of the blanket that was on my face and not going away for quite a while. Let me see. Let me see. I, don't, I, don't, I think it went away. Okay, good. By so, the way, I hate that. Yeah, I I mean... It just tells a story that doesn't need to be told. <laughs> what, that I had a cozy, delicious night of sleep? Yeah, I don't mean you. I mean, like, when I take a nap, brief nap, and then try to, like, go on a call or something, like a Zoom call, and it's like, oh, we know what you were doing. Oh, yeah. We know. Yeah, we got caught <laughs> by the totally blanket busted. imprint on your face. Yeah. <laughs> so... We want to say, first of all, that we did get an email about an ad that someone heard Mm. on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was for... Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile. And someone said, this is not on YouTube. This is on the podcast. If you're listening to the audio podcast, then you may be hearing a Patriot... I'm sorry, Patriot... Patriot Mobile. You may be hearing that, and we don't endorse that. Yeah. Don't buy that product. It's a right-wing weirdo grift, and uh, if you're listening, Patriot Mobile people, fuck straight off. We don't want your money, but we'd be happy to denigrate your product. It's not even a product. They're leasing space on other cell towers from AT&T and Verizon and the other big carriers, and then they sell it as though it's theirs while acting like you're protecting liberty if you, you know, whatever. Yeah, so we, I don't think, have, have a lot of control over the ads that get run on the podcast audio, nor do we have control yeah, over the YouTube, YouTube ads. Yeah. So if you do hear that, I'm sorry, but just know that they are paying us to hate them yeah. oh, and I'll, to I'll, not promote them <laughs> They're also wasting their money. <laughs> it's like during campaign 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 season, too early. <laughs> See that right there is the the vocal styling of of a blanket crease on my face. Yeah, that should be your vocal warm up yeah, in the that's morning. Right. Is saying campaign season. So during campaign season, when Donald Trump's campaign and Republicans run ads against my videos, it's like, what? You think this is a good use of spending your money? You think you're convincing people in my audience? Yeah. And we get a lot of comments of different conservative outlets that are running ads before the videos, and we can't control it. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. let them waste their money, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So normally we read or hear from listeners. We're going to do something a little different, and we're going to read a couple new listener reviews that we got. I was wanting to read a, a bad one because you know that we love to play hater voicemails, yes. and we love to read negative reviews of the show, but these are both positive. We made one of our, our end-of-the-year gifts for Patreon mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago almost three years ago now, Jesus, um, was a magnet with with a bad review on it (laughs) that said we were, I've looked around or I've shopped around. Mm -hmm. This is totally tactless. The most disappointing podcast. That's right. The most disappointing podcast. Yes. And we loved it. (laughs) So we we turned it into an end of your gift for all of our Patreon supporters. A a refrigerator magnet with that review on it. It was great. (laughs) You have to lean in. You have to lean in. For sure. So we want to read this first review. Latest episode with Robert P. Jones. Five stars. Truly powerful conversation between three inspiring, sincerely good humans. Left me thinking seriously about what it means to live with integrity and why looking at history honestly is important and necessary if we want to have a great society. Robert's answer to Jesse and Brittany's anchoring question, what have you changed your mind about lately, was the best part in this episode, and there were many great parts. Also, Brittany is the best part, so there were two best parts this time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, reviewer. Is that on uh, Apple Podcasts? It is on Apple Podcasts, I don't know if you can review on Spotify, but you certainly can leave a a star rating. Yeah. But you might be able to review. I don't know. Yeah, and all the reviews help us a lot because we actually get a weekly email letting us know where we are on the charts, which is exciting. And I mean, sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to say this. And we are consistently in the top 200 in politics in South Korea and a few other countries. No, it's more than 200. I think we're 200 in politics in America and South Korea is in the top 100. Yeah. And so we don't hear from a lot of our listeners in South Korea. We have heard multiple times from Yuri. Yeah. And there, I think, obviously, are more that we're not hearing from. So reach out. Maybe she's feel... single handedly keeping the show afloat in <laughs> South Korea. We, we appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Here's another review that we got On Point is the name of the review. Five stars. I appreciate all the deep dives into such interesting topics. Both of you have great opinions. And Brittany, you approach sensitive topics with such empathy, and your concern is genuine. I really enjoy the banter between you. It's really sweet. I also find myself feeling warm and fuzzy after the show because you also cover heartwarming good stories, and I enjoy that. Always agree 100. It's kind of uncanny. Thanks for your hard work and sharing your knowledge and insights. We appreciate that. Yeah, very yeah. nice. Very nice reviews. Although when someone says they agree with us 100%, I always get a little nervous because don't expect that to last. Yeah, no kidding. And start thinking about <laughs> how you're going to react. When you don't. When you hear something you don't like. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We don't even agree one, with 100% on shit no, together. No, There's no way other, other humans, I mean... I don't agree with myself sometimes. I'm, you know, talking myself out of positions. Yeah, so. yeah. So just just think about that. But thank you for the very kind review. It helps us a lot. So if you could take the time, please rate and review the show on whatever podcatcher you use to listen to the show. And that would be 
fantastic. Yes. We're going to take a moment now to thank our Patreon supporters because we could not do this show without them. So our new Patreon supporters, David T. David T. Michael S. Michael S. Pamela R. Pamela R. Ray K. Ray K. Kevin W. Kevin W. Kevin W's not a new Patreon supporter, but we got an email for it. So shout out to Kevin W, who has been a longtime supporter of the show. Absolutely. Tyrone M. Tyrone M. Tyrone M with a, a big Patreon support. You can do an annual Patreon uh, support, which gives you 10% off of the price. And... Tyrone M. really coming through with the Patreon support. No so thank you very much for that. Um, sh- I laugh only because I'm a little uncomfortable about it. <laughs> That's why. Yes. Um, Shay T. Shay T. Jennifer J. Jennifer J. And Elizabeth R. Elizabeth R. Thank you so very much to our new Patreon supporters. The primary benefits of Patreon is that you get to support the show that yes. you love so much and that you look forward to listening to and it makes you laugh and, and it makes you, you feel warm with, and cozy. And that you agree with 100%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So another benefit to it is that you get the ad-free show. So you don't even have to hear about this Patriot mobile and whatever all this nonsense is. You don't even have to hear it. It's not even going to be there. I upload it directly to Patreon, and it goes to the RSS feed if you have that in your podcatcher, and it's a good time. So we're also talking about the end of year gift that we're going to do for this year on Patreon, and that's always a good time. This time we will ensure it is something that can be mailed through the mail (laughs) so that we don't have a redo of last year. It will be better, okay? We've learned our lesson. The gift won't be better. The gift is great. It just won't be such a nightmare getting it mailed out (laughs) yes so thank you very much we appreciate you patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast what a unique web address for i doubt it podcast uh we appreciate your support very much if since we didn't read listener communication i still want to get the phone number out Uh, it is 657-464-7609 that is where you call to leave a brief voicemail you can also send an uh, an email or uh, email us a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's talk. Li- listen, we talk a lot about police misconduct, police brutality, um, policing in this country. And it never seems to be good news. It never seems to be good stories. In fact, the stories that you hear that end up being propaganda. They end up being propaganda for cops. Like, oh, the guy took time out of his day to to give a kid a ride or buy a kid a Subway sandwich. And oh, it, the cops came out and they they did a walk around the neighborhood and it was great. Yeah, it, it's always kind of like, uh, look who they didn't kill extrajudiciously today. It's it's always shitty. And the reason th- that it bothers me so much is the fact of stories like this one. From Seattle, this story doesn't involve a high-speed chase where someone was acting, you know, doing bad dog shit. This is people, a a girl crossing the street, a grad student, someone who didn't commit a crime, someone who was not suspected of committing crime. She wasn't a perp. And still, she was killed by police, by a maniac cop, going 74 miles an hour, 
And then when uh, they went to investigate whether he was on drugs and then talk about what criminal culpability or liability he may be facing, two cops in the police union we're talking about, two, two leaders in the police union, the, the vice president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild and the president are on the phone cackling with delight, talking about how she was ju- it's just a regular person and just write a check. Her life had limited value anyway. Yeah. And you're really setting the scene really well because we're going to listen to the body cam of Officer Daniel Otterer, and he is, like you Ugh. said, the vice president of the Seattle Police Officers And Guild. also an active duty cop. And he inadvertently left his, did I say that right? It sounded weird. Inad- inadvertently. Inadvertently. This is what happens when, you, <laughs> when, you, when you're recording the show um, pre-9 o'clock in the morning. And you're you're gonna. I'm pointing that out because at the end of the clip, you're gonna hear um, rustling, and he's reaching for. He realizes in the middle of having yeah. this conversation that when he's laughing about the death of a 23 year old woman who was, like you said, hit and killed by another officer when he was speeding in a crosswalk. He's laughing about it. He's talking about how her life had limited value. He's saying, just cut a check. Yeah. He's being wildly cruel and callous. And he realizes it and goes to reach for his body camera and starts to turn it off. So that's where it's going to end. But I, I want you to really take in the cruelty of this person who is imbued with power from the government to walk in our streets armed and has for a long time. And we'll get into his record because I'm sure you know what's coming. Yep, totally. All right, brother. Well, uh, yep. Um, I'm sure uh, TCIS is. And I... Oh, he's good. He says, well, normally we don't give voluntary statements. And I said, hey, you're going to have to decide if you wanted to give a statement or not. But it does not seem like there's a criminal investigation going on. Otherwise, there would be other... What's that? Otherwise, there might be other people arriving, correct? Yeah, I mean... He's going 50. That's not out of control. That's not reckless for a train driver. Yeah, lights and sirens. Yeah. yeah well, there's some... The, initially, uh, he said she was in a crosswalk. Uh, there's a witness that says, no, she wasn't. But that witness could be different because I don't think she was thrown 40 feet either. Uh, I think she went up on the hood, hit the windshield. Then when he hit the brakes, flew off the car. But she is dead. (laughs) No, it's a regular person. Yeah. Yeah, just write a check. Just... $11,000. She was 26 anyway. She had limited value. Rustling, panic, turned off his body cam, which I don't believe they should be able to do. 
Absolutely not. I, I believe it should not be an option for a cop on duty to turn off the body cam footage. Well, or, and he's tried to say this was a private conversation. No, you're you're talking about work. It's your yeah. job to go and investigate whether or not the officer who hit the woman is under the influence. And through your duties, you are reaching out to another person to consult with them yeah. on this issue. It's work. It's not a private conversation. Yeah, in this case, he was calling Mike Solon, who is the president of the police, the Seattle Police Officers Guild. And they're talking about uh, Kevin Dave is his name. The, the officer who struck and killed Janavi Kandula. So who was, and here's the other element of this conversation that really rubbed me the wrong way. And it's, and it's not necessarily the cruelty directly, but indirectly it's, this is a guy who's tasked with investigating what took place and all of the facts that he's, he's spewing here to Mike Solon are incorrect. He's downplaying it. He's lying. Well, he's saying, well, you know, going, going 50, that's not reckless uh, for a trained driver. He was going 74 miles an hour, you know, and I don't even believe she was thrown 40 feet. She was thrown 100 feet from the collision. Uh, She's 26, limited value. She's 23 years. All of the facts are wrong. Mm -hmm. So is this the uh, investigative uh, prowess that he brings to the job in his his duties as a cop too? Mm -hmm. Just sloppy with the facts and the evidence and just... They are covering for themselves. When you have police, we've talked about this just recently, when you have police investigating themselves for probable or possible crimes, you got a problem. That's a conflict. Well, and it is so often the case in these stories where officers that are finally caught, they're finally making the headlines, that they have been under investigation numerous times. Yeah, which is the case with Daniel Otterer, the guy you just heard or saw, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you, that you just witnessed talking and laughing about this this girl, this young woman's death, he has been in trouble a number of, or under investigation, or there's been questions about his service, about his job performance for years. Yeah, numerous times since at least 2010. So that's how long the police have had an opportunity to do something about this yes. person who's clearly a problem being investigated for use of force, professionalism issues, detention and arrests. And this is from Divest SPD, which is Seattle's grassroots police watchdog. But it has been backed up by reporting from the local Seattle News as well. And in one of the cases in 2010, Otterer was one of several officers who stopped two Mexican immigrants under the under a false pretext. The officers were caught on camera verbally abusing them and roughly arresting them. Uh, again, in 2010, Otterer was one of a dozen officers who savagely beat Brian Torgerson, a mentally ill man causing permanent damage. SPD settled with Torgerson's family for $1.75 million. In 2014, Otterer received another complaint from a woman he arrested who claimed he sexually harassed her in a holding cell. There was no audio of the incident, so OPA issued a training referral, you know, more training. Uh, In 2015, he punched and choked a homeless man inside the ER at Harborview Hospital. The force review board ruled that the force was unjustified, but the OPA ultimately cleared him. So, again, this is just repeated. Use of force, he's being cleared, he's being protected, just like he's protecting people in this audio clip. And it's disappointing because since 2010, they've had an opportunity. 
for a long time, they've had an opportunity right. to do something about this person. Well, this is exactly why cops feel imbued with power. Uh, just it, it's an injection of impunity for them. They could do what they want because when they do do bad shit and they get caught, it's not even a slap on the wrist. It's referred for training or the city settles for nearly $2 million and still he doesn't get fired. It's He's, he's never too much of a liability for the city of Seattle to continue his abuse and harassment and covering for cops who kill innocent citizens who were not even committing a crime. Well, and it's interesting when these stories from local journalists start to get traction online and I'm happy that this has started to get more traction unfortunately I've seen some larger accounts not being super fact-based when they when they tweet it like for example posting the body cam footage and saying that's the officer who killed the woman when of course you might say that's like a what does it matter but it matters. The, de- I think. the details and the facts absolutely matter in these cases. Yeah, but it's nice that these cases start to get amplified so yeah. that hopefully there is pressure. And unfortunately, that's the thing that will cause Seattle PD to be like, you're, you're too much of a problem right. now. You're now, too much of a problem. Now that the, the knowledge of your impropriety and bad uh, behavior is known widely, oh, now, now it's a problem. But when it's, you know, just locally, everybody knows you're an asshole. Well, we can handle that. Yeah. Seattle also has, I mean, every major metropolitan area in the country has a problem. Uh, This is just another one of them. Well, same thing is happening in Beverly Hills right now. This is actually follow-up from a story we talked about in 2021. You know, we love to do follow-up for stories that we talked about a long time ago. And <laughs> well, it's still a problem. We're still going to be talking about it. Yes. Well, back in 2021, the Beverly Hills Police Department's uh, Safe Streets Task Force... <laughs> Sounds bad already. <laughs> Sounds bad already. Well, they always use words like task force, like we're really getting the job done, but really it's just a, a ticket to act extra shitty to the citizenry. Well, and in 2021, the realization was that they arrested almost exclusively black people. Like the the arrests were, 99% of the arrests were Black people. And black people like make up like 2% of Beverly Hills' population. Right. And so it was a red flag. Like, what's going on here yeah. with this quote unquote safe streets task force? What are you guys actually doing? It's like Beverly Hills Cop, the movie in real life, where like Axel Foley gets thrown out of the window and those two hayseed white, you know, Nazi looking cops show up and they're like, all right, we, we're taking you with us. Like, I just got thrown out the window, man. It's just art imitating life, or maybe life imitating art in this case. We love Beverly Hills Cop in this house. <laughs> we love that movie. You did not seem like you loved my Beverly Hills Cop reference. Was it because it was muddled and all over the place? It could have been neater. <laughs> yes. It could have been a little bit more clean. So I wish I had a stinger or something to play of the Beverly Hills Cop music. <laughs> that would be great. Banana on your tailpipe. <laughs> So there's a new lawsuit that is accusing the Beverly Hills Police Department of racial profiling. Continued racial profiling. Yeah. Yeah. Shepard York, clerk at a Beverly Hills law office on his way to work. I spent three days in jail. Humiliating. Scary. 
said. Police stopped him, say attorneys, because his license plates were expired. He was patted down, his car searched and impounded. But then he was never convicted of a crime. There was only one reason why Shepard was pulled over, and that's because of the color of his skin. I was stopped just for being black while driving in Beverly Hills. Lakeisha Swift was pulled over for allegedly being three inches past the line at a red light. She says she was detained for 20 minutes and handcuffed. They arrested my boyfriend. They took him to jail for three days. Her attorney says her boyfriend was taken into custody for an outstanding warrant, but it turned out to be a mistake. He spent three days in jail while they realized that there was no reason for him to be prosecuted. If that's not racial profiling, I don't know what is. Civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump this morning lending his voice to this class action lawsuit, which seeks a half billion dollars in damages for more than a thousand plaintiffs. He says the proof is in the numbers. They stopped 1,088 black motorists and yet, they only got two convictions. Wow. That is insane. Mm-hmm. 1,088, nearly 1,100 black motorists pulled over. Two convictions. Two. You know you're looking for a reason to pull somebody over when they're three inches over the line at a stop sign. Ugh. And then you get pulled over. That's not probable cause. That's we're going to find a reason, then we'll find the reason to arrest or harass. Mm-hmm. It's more bad policing, more cops acting with impunity, like they can do whatever they want to the citizenry when they have arrest power, they have the uh, the authority to detain, they have the authority to ruin someone's life, and we're putting people in charge who have no commitment to the tenants of protecting and serving. Yeah, and going back to kind of how you started this whole segment about those news stories that you see where the cops are meeting with the kids or they're saving the cat in the tree or whatever. And the reason that those aren't really heartwarming or, or don't do anything to help the reputation that the police have is because what we actually want to see is stories about cops who are policing other cops and yeah. keeping their their fellow officers in check and making sure that they're doing the right thing. But what are the headlines that we see about that? Those officers are, you know, no longer cooperating in cases against their officers because they fear for their lives. That's right. They are not... They're killed by fellow officers in, in L.A. They're Yeah, they're not willing to go against their fellow officers because it's like a gang. I mean, those are the yeah. headlines that we hear rather than cops saying, you know what, can you stop harassing people? Right. I, I mean, I, how many times have you seen video of a cop acting out of control, hurting, punching, restraining, roughly being crazy, and the other cops just stand by and watch? Yeah. Like, there might be, maybe occasionally you'll see a look of distress, like, ooh, what's he doing? Right, but do but, something. But they don't do anything. Yes. They just sit and watch. Yes, do something, please. So, I mean, this is obviously, there's no solution here. This is continued coverage. We're going to continue to talk about this um, because this is a problem that is just not going away. We would invite your participation in this conversation, though. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Megan Kelly. <laughs> Megan Kelly's back in the news. She has a YouTube channel. Fellow YouTubers. Hey, Megan. You know, it's so strange that she's doing the, uh, the, the, the Carrie Lake thing with the soft, out-of-focus filter on her face. And she did an interview with Trump where she did the same thing, but, like, she doesn't have a video crew. Like, he was even out of focus. Well, yeah. Right? So, I... I mean, this is the least point of criticism to have about it but it's just very weird to me as you can see i'm struggling to respond because i <laughs> i just i don't have a lot to say about that it's not that. important it's just something that is just like what you come out of real heavyweight productions and then, uh, I mean, did you use your iPhone to film the, in- what, what are you doing? Yeah. No, I guess my mind just went to like what inevitably happens in the comments of your videos when women are talked about. And I think Democrats sometimes think they're immune from the misogyny that we all kind of inherently walk around with. And they'll talk about even Democrat Democrats that they respect, like if they step out of line, they'll talk about them being on their knees or how they oh, got that yeah, job. Yeah. And That's not what I'm so- saying. I know you didn't say that. You're talking about the filter and the soft focus well, the, and the Carrie Lake. More the out of blur, the, uh, the blur thing. Okay, the blur. Yeah. yeah. I'm not being a sexist or misogynist. It, it's, it's she comes from major productions, Fox News, uh, NBC, and now she's doing her own thing with YouTube, and then I guess she has a serious XM show. But you would expect a, a higher production value. I guess that's what I'm saying. Albeit fumbling. Yes, okay. The soft focus <laughs> thing just had me, I don't know. No, okay. good. I like being called out. And, and in real time, it's good. Yeah, so moving along. And Megyn Kelly sat down with Donald Trump, which is surprising, of course, because Megyn Kelly and Donald Trump have a long history of not getting along. And starting from that debate question that she asked him, I think in 2016, about the comments that he's made about women in the past, which she now seems to have a different opinion on, because she she did this little thing where she kind of talked about the behind the scenes of the Donald Trump interview in a video on her on her YouTube channel. And she actually called his response to that question a good answer now when he said that it was only Rosie O'Donnell that he called like an ugly pig or whatever. Wow. Yeah. She's like, it was a good answer. It got a lot of great traction from the audience. Who cares if it got right a good traction from the audience? Right. Who cares what the audience thinks? The audience is full of <laughs> Donald Trump supporters. <laughs> I mean, people who don't respect women. Of yeah. course, they're going to cheer for that. So, so it's just weird the complete transformation that she has because she got a hefty payout from NBC, sixty million dollars. She could not be constantly attacking trans people on her Twitter. She could not be constantly attacking black women on her Twitter. I mean, yeah. go take a look at her Twitter. It's. I mean, it it could be 
uh, Richard Spencer's Twitter, and you would not know. I mean, she's constantly attacking black women, black people, She hates Meghan Markle for some reason. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it really is any black person. It, there's a problem when, when she talks about them. Yeah. But listen, guys, she did a really good job with this interview with Donald Trump. There were hard hitting questions. I mean, I'm sure you've heard if you're watching mainstream media outlets on CNN, which I just watched a clip today. They said the old Megan is back. The old Megan is back. She was asking these hard hitting really? questions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So let's just hear from Megan on how she feels it went with Trump. I will tell you, from my perspective, I thought it went very well. I thought he did very well uh, and he withstood some tough questioning. I did not go easy on him. I didn't, like with DeSantis, the goal was not to emerge with Trump's jugular as some would like to have seen. Um, I thought it was fair, right? There were like some questions for him, some questions for me. uh, And that's, I think, how it should go. There should be a good flow to any big interview uh, like with a former president. And I give him a ton of credit. I mean, you tell me, could Joe Biden have done that? Could he have done five minutes of that? Just five minutes. Never mind an hour and 20 or however long Trump and I were together. It was almost an hour and 20. Uh, he couldn't and he wouldn't. And where is the mainstream journalist who will even ask him tough questions? Where are they? <laughs> Joe Biden wouldn't last five minutes with Megyn Kelly. Why? Because you're going to come away with his jugular? Idiot. I mean, <laughs> you guys, listen, she has a point and I'm going to, I, I, Chose this section specifically to illustrate just how tough this was for Donald Trump, you guys. It was not easy for him. Haven't seen a lot of Melania lately. How's she doing? And <laughs> how's Barron doing? Because I know he's senior in high school now. Yeah, he how's is. He's doing really well. He's in school. Uh, she's doing very well. She's very strong, very, um, very even keeled. And she's a very good woman, as you know. Uh, she was a very popular first lady. I mean, I go out to rallies and they have pictures of Melania with we love our first lady with so many posters. You know where they're in the audience and they're because we're getting big people. We had the biggest rallies we've ever had. Can we you had, believe they never put her on Vogue on the cover of Vogue? Yeah, and they just they just put yeah, Karine Jean Pierre in there. No, can you believe it? Can you believe it? She was on the cover of Vogue before she met me. Yeah, oh, and during, but once I said I'm running for president that was uh, that was the end of the cover what's a typical dinner it's like by the way and it's so sad because but she doesn't what's care what's a typical dinner like? can you believe what he had to endure listen joe biden wouldn't have been able to handle five minutes of these tough questions everybody <laughs> these are hard hidden journalistic wonder what are they doing come on <laughs> it's remarkable right i mean and how listen, is melania doing yeah What's dinner like? Can you believe they didn't put her on the cover of Vogue? Isn't your youngest kid a senior in high school now? (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. Megan, get it together, sister. What are you doing? Also, by the way, to back up what we just said about attacking black women, she's talking about the press secretary for Joe Biden being on the cover of Vogue and how that is a travesty when Melania, the white woman, wasn't on during Trump's presidency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So basically the question is, can Joe Biden sit down with a Biden sycophant and handle questions about Jill not being on the cover of Vogue? Is that Megan's question? Like if we're framing her original question, yeah. that that is Joe Biden, he wouldn't be able to handle those questions about Jill being on Vogue 
And how how is Dr. Jill Biden? Which, of course, Megyn Kelly does not want said oh, in her that, presence. That was her. That's right. Yes. So, of course, Megyn Kelly would say there were hard-hitting questions, quote-unquote, and there were moments where she held his feet to the fire. But what I worry about with the media saying that the the old Megan, this is the return of the old Megan, is that there is no old Megan. Yeah. Megan, we have learned, has always been this way. And I used to like Megan Kelly. Yeah. And I don't really understand why. I think maybe I, I did think she was a strong woman who asked tough questions. And maybe I have grown in ways personally that have allowed me to see how like problematic was, she really was. There was some blind spot there, you think? Possibly, yeah. And for me, too, because I also, you know, th- I mean, there was a time that I even thought Bill O'Reilly wasn't as pernicious as he actually was. I never thought he was great. But... It's blind spots. People have blind spots. Yeah, and I do think it is full mask off now with atta- yeah, constantly attacking trans people, constantly attacking black people on her Twitter. I- and viciously, not not like encoded language. She is just, like you said, mask off. It's hood on Megyn Kelly. Well, and she tries to act like a journalist, but I mean, yeah. think of the journalists that are in the primetime nightly spots. They don't follow their interview with a breakdown and say, could Joe Biden handle me? No, he couldn't because he's senile. Like, you're not a journalist. She's also anti-COVID vaccine. She's she's she is just just poured herself, you know, water finds the lowest spot. She's just poured herself into that grift space. just taking up every single position that's the worst um, of 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 the right. Yeah. Yeah. So disappointing. And she's changed her opinion on Donald Trump quite a bit. Oh, yeah. So, but she's not alone in that. A lot of Republicans have done that. Right. Well, a lot are, I mean, we're learning, and we're not going to get into this today, but McKay Coppins has a book out about Mitt Romney where they go into detail about certain people in Congress who do not believe the things they say in public, absolutely without doubt. And it's the same all across the Republican Party because they're just so beholden to Donald Trump and fear him. Yeah, I can see it now. Everyone saying, are you surprised? I know. And no, of course, we're not surprised, but it is important to talk about. Because yeah, listen, uh, can we very quickly talk about the tyranny of the not surprised guy, that article? <laughs> I mean, not talking about the article, but I'm, I'm ripping off the headline and want to give credit to that to that uh, title of the article. Yeah. It does not contribute anything if you say, well, are you surprised by this? And if we were to only talk about things that we're not surprised about... There would be nothing to talk about because we're not surprised or shocked by these assholes, but we would be not doing our job correctly if we didn't bring it to people's attention who maybe don't share the same opinion yet or haven't. Maybe they have a blind spot going back to the blind spot. Yeah, I think there's also something to be said that you can't get to that level of pessimism where when you hear things, you're just constantly like... Ugh, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I don't even feel anything when I hear this. Like, you should continue to feel, I think, rage <laughs> well, or something when you learn that someone's a hypocrite. Someone in a position of power is a hypocrite, like we're getting ready to talk about with Kevin McCarthy. Or cops are continuing to kill unarmed people. Absolutely. Innocent people. It's not a matter of 
being surprised or that you're learning new information. It's that this needs to be kept in the forefront of people's yeah. minds so that they can continue to push for change and vote for the right people and make the right decisions and yada, yada. So, you know, yada, yada. Well, I apologize <laughs> about the sidetrack. Let's talk about Kevin McCarthy. Yes. So Kevin McCarthy, of course, brought the decided to announce that he is bringing the impeachment inquiry after a lot of pressure from the conservative caucus, mm-hmm. the Freedom Caucus, That's I right. believe it's called. Everything's freedom with these people. Yes. <laughs> and he decided to unilaterally bring the impeachment inquiry, which is controversial because, you know, if you had asked Kevin McCarthy in 2019 how he felt about a Speaker of the House, I don't know, just just any Speaker of the House, we'll say Nancy Pelosi <laughs> in this case, bringing a impeachment inquiry unilaterally, I think he, I think he was against it. Our job is to legislate, not to continue to investigate something in the back when you cannot find any reason to impeach this president. She cannot unilaterally decide we're in an impeachment inquiry. Yeah, that's 2019 Kevin McCarthy. Interesting. A little different than today's Kevin McCarthy, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess people can change. But there seems to be a motivation here. (laughs) I wonder what the motivation is. Is it... Is it that they're in power now and the rules that they wanted when Democrats were in power, they don't want now? Is is that what it is? I think that has something to do with it. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. These people forget that they're, I mean, they don't care that there's video and audio of their past statements because the their supporters don't care. Mm-hmm. Republicans don't fucking care. Yes. Well... One person that we do love on the show is the CNN reporter Manu Raju. Absolutely. And for people who will say CNN is not great, and I agree with you in yeah. certain ways, but Manu Raju is great. Yeah, on the whole, it's not great, but they do have standout reporters and anchors even who do phenomenal work. Yeah, so we are Manu stands on this show, and that's what the kids say these days. Is that what they say? Yeah. They say that they're Manu stands? <laughs> Uh, that's exactly what they say. Yeah, yeah, He's very popular with the kids. So (laughs) he had the opportunity to press Kevin McCarthy on the issue of changing his tune on the impeachment inquiry. Okay, sir, look. But you told Breitbart 12 days ago that you had a vote, so what changed? You know what's interesting to me? You were a reporter for CNN, correct? I just laid out to you a lot of allegations based upon the American I'm just asking about your words. Why did you change your words? Okay, well, let let me me answer your question because I answered it every single day and you could answer me every single day. Nancy Pelosi changed the president of this house. This doesn't preclude from a... Nancy Pelosi changed the president of this house on September 24th. It was withheld and good enough for every single Democrat here. It was good enough for the judge. Why would it have to be different today? What we've learned in the last couple weeks, wouldn't you want to know the answer to? Your whole job is reporting. You now have an accusation that the president took a bribe. You do know from your own reporting, from your own station, that they were selling a brand. You do know from your own reporting from CNN that the president went to and did conference calls, that the president went to lunches and dinners, just the dinners, and, the, and Hunter got a new Porsche. He got three points well, for the but, I, but, that, the but, that, but that's my question to you. Why don't you ask the other questions? Why don't you I want to ask a No, you, you never you change your position. I never changed my position. You, you don't, don't, you don't want to. You know what's interesting to me? So you don't care about any of the answers. That's you are very interested in the whole process. Yes, I answered your question. 
Kevin McCarthy is phenomenally bad at this. Uh, I mean, that, that is the worst uh, deflection I've ever seen when it's just, well, what about the questions you're not asking? <laughs> yeah, well, and even Manu's response to, you're a reporter for CNN, right? He's like, yes. I don't, What? where is this going? I don't. It's quite the bombshell, Kevin McCarthy. You really got to the bottom of it. Oh, my God. Well, listen, Here, here's the other thing about this is that, you're not you're not asking questions about these allegations. That's because you brought no evidence of the allegations you're making. Zero. And any time any journalist, even on Fox News, even on Newsmax, when they ask for actual evidence of the things you're alleging, you divert and do what what you just did, Kevin McCarthy. You like, talk about Hunter Biden's Porsches. What? What? It is. It is the most transparent election boost effort I've ever seen in all of the the, the, the politics that I followed. I mean, worse than Benghazi. This is so elementary, just grade school nonsense that uh, they're running with. Yeah. They're running with it. Well, and the reason that he's not answering the question and that he's instead word salad, word vomiting, Hunter Biden, Porsche, the <laughs> is because the real answer is that he feels pressure. From the Freedom Caucus and specifically Matt Gates, who has really gone on yeah. the attack this week and uh, took to the floor and threatened Kevin McCarthy to oust him as speaker and said that he's out of compliance. On this very floor in January, the whole world witnessed a historic contest for House Speaker. I rise today to serve notice. Mr. Speaker, you are out of compliance with the agreement that allowed you to assume this role. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. We have had no vote on term limits or on balanced budgets as the agreement demanded and required. There's been no full release of the January 6 tapes. As you promised, there has been insufficient accountability for the Biden crime family. And instead of cutting spending to raise the debt limit, you relied on budgetary gimmicks and rescissions so that you ultimately ended up serving as the valet to underwrite Biden's debt and advance his spending agenda. Mr. Speaker, you boasted in January that we would use the power of the subpoena and the power of the purse. But here we are, eight months later, and we haven't even sent the first subpoena to Hunter Biden. That's how you know that the rushed and you know, somewhat rattled performance you just saw from the speaker isn't real. At this point during Democrat control over the House of Representatives, they had already brought in Don Jr. three times. And we haven't even sent the first subpoena to Hunter Biden. Power of the subpoena and power of the purse. Only thing the 118th Congress is known for at this point is electing Kevin McCarthy speaker and underwriting Biden's debt. And unfortunately, there's only one of those things we can remediate at this time. Power of the purse. Our it's interesting hearing him talk about the rattled performance that isn't real while Everything that that uh, Matt Gates just said was an absolute political performance on the floor of the House of Representatives. Yeah, absolute political performance because he's talking about the Biden crime family, which is just red meat to the base. Mm -hmm. If he really was earnest about wanting to get to the bottom of something, he wouldn't use the the carefully cultivated buzzwords that rile up the MAGA world. He would talk about the impropriety. He would he would use far different language if he was truly trying to get to the bottom of something. Also, 
James Comer's committee has subpoena power. They could subpoena Hunter Biden at any moment. Kevin McCarthy's not stopping that. And James Comer has been asked numerous times, including on conservative Newsmax. outlets like Newsmax, yeah. what, why he hasn't subpoenaed, and he doesn't really have a response. He says, well, he could he could volunteer to come and clear his good name any time, and then he gets asked again, like, well, yeah, but, but why don't you just compel his testimony? Right, because, you have the power. Because he's not going to come in. Yeah, and his second answer is, well, he could just go to court and fight it. <laughs> just Oh, so you don't even... you That would be amazing... For Hunter Biden to say, no, I'm going to refuse to come and testify, which would make him look guilty of the things you're talking about. Right. But they don't want that. All of this is theater as an effort to boost election turnout in 2024. That's what this is. Yeah. And the you referenced the McKay Coppins Atlantic article about Mitt Romney earlier in the show. And I would recommend that if you haven't read that, definitely go read it because... It is very insightful. I don't think Mitt Romney gets let off the hook like many people are are saying. But in it, he does say that most people in his party don't really believe in the Constitution. Yeah. That most people behind the scenes would tell him they agree with how he speaks about Donald Trump. They agree about Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Trump made an appearance and spoke before all the Republicans. And when he left the room, they laughed at him. Yeah. They think he's a joke. Yeah. But they would tell Mitt Romney... I'm so jealous of your constituency that you have the ability to speak out against Trump and not get in trouble electorally. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. that's the number one thing they're worried about is whether or not they're going to get reelected. Yeah, that's right. Power so, for power's sake. What you're saying about Matt Gates and this being a performance is absolutely true, especially when you read that article from Mitt Romney, who's on the inside, who still isn't dropping names about these people that feel the same way about Donald Trump. I mean, Mitch McConnell, he gives several examples. Of course, Mitch McConnell doesn't remember any of those conversations. Right. Well, we he will drop the names in his forthcoming book that's yet to be announced. Great. Mark my words on that. <laughs> Mark my words on that. Uh, Mitt Romney most certainly is going to write a book, and in that book, he will name names. And it will come out the day after Trump's inauguration? Is that what's... Something like that. Perfect. It'll be perfectly timed, certainly. Good, good. So, Kevin McCarthy has responded to, to Matt Gates, and I do think that he actually did a good job here. And he took a swipe at Gates and said Gates was working with Democrats. upset about an ethics complaint. I don't care what they threaten against me. I am not going to interject into an independent committee like ethics. And I'm not going to put Swalwell back on the Intel committee. So they can do whatever they want. So the audio is a little fuzzy because he's in the Capitol. Yeah, he's in the hallway. And what he's saying there is that Matt is concerned about the ethics complaint. So he's he's dropping, he's being a little surreptitious, yeah. but he's saying that he's concerned about the House Ethics Committee investigating Matt Gates for the allegations that he engaged in sexual misconduct, illicit drug use, and other misconduct. Yeah. One thing that I would say is I wish instead of saying Matt Gates is worried about the ethics complaint that they would say Matt Gates is worried about the sexual misconduct and illicit drug use and other misconduct complaints against <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He should really be specific in in this language. It's such such high school drama uh high stakes high school drama though here because it goes from from Kevin McCarthy to Matt Gates to Kevin McCarthy back to Matt Gates and then Matt Gates, of course, is last word guy. So he he got his word in too. 
It's interesting to see you go to this point with the speaker. He seems to be implying that you are not doing these things for the reasons you say, but that you were requesting or perhaps through other people requesting some special handling or, or, or treatment in the ethics complaint. You're saying that's a lie tonight. That is, a, that is an abject lie from a sad and pathetic man who lies to hold on to power. He lied to get power in January when he made this agreement, and he's lying now about the basis for breach. And you know what? Eventually, the lying has to come to an end, and the votes are going to start on a motion to vacate. Uh, I certainly hope that instead of that path, the Speaker comes into compliance on term limits, balanced budgets, and single-subject spending bills. And guess what? If yeah. that happens, there will be no motion to vacate, which would which would totally cut against his argument that this is somehow about an, an ethics matter of like the lies of yesteryear. Mm. So <laughs> I, I think you made a good point that a lot of this. <gasps> what? I know. Good job. A lot of this is. Wait, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this is kind of like high school drama and it feels like we're just kind of feeding into the drama. But, but it's, it is high stakes though. Yeah, the point is that Republicans are failing at basic governance right now. Yeah. Like th- this is very basic. We're facing a government shutdown again in days and a lot of people are going to be harmed by that if that happens. I mean, they're talking about removing Kevin McCarthy as speaker of the house, which would 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 just plunge the House of Representatives and the agenda of the country into chaos, not having a Speaker of the House. I mean, business can't be conducted. Yeah. It's just absolute disrespect for the American people, for people in need. It's, it is, it is on par standard operating procedure for Republicans to disregard for their own power and sake. It's hilarious when he says he lies to hold on to power. So says Matt Gates. Come on, man. <laughs> well, I know this is going to be very reassuring for you, Jesse, but Joe Manchin is here. Oh. And he's nice. ready. He's ready to work with the other side. Oh, and again. Yeah. That's I, nice. And he really prides himself on his ability to bring people together and unite people. So he's here. Don't worry. And he told Aaron Burnett all about it. Mm. So, you know, the Pat McCrory, obviously, North Carolina governor, he uh, said in July, we will present a president and vice president candidate on a no labels ticket, uh, the no labels group, if Biden and Trump are on track to win their party's nominations. Um, When, Senator, will you make a final decision? Do you still think that you've got runway if if you were to make a decision to jump in, that you still have time? Yes, I do. Well, first of all, my my state of West Virginia, the filing dates don't start, even start until January of next year. So there's no urgency for me. And as you know, the Democrats aren't as strong in the power that they had many years ago. So it's a whole different scenario in the state of West Virginia. But I, I just, uh, you know, I've got so much to do in front of me right now to get done and to prevent bad things from happening. And once you become an announced candidate for anything, you become a target. I might be a suspected target now in so many different arenas, but still yet I have the ability to sit down with my Democrat and Republican friends and not be a threat to either one of them. And that's what we need. We need people that can bring bring people together and work together and find a common cause. We've got a lot of challenges, but the bottom line is for the United States to be the superpower of the world and the beacon of hope, you've got to show leadership and you've got to bring it together. I can't just continue to start talking and pointing fingers and blaming everybody else. 
people want us to work together. They want this to United States and quit being a divided states. They're wore out. I'm wore out. I don't like listening to it no more than you have to mm-hmm. report it. Ugh. The fake earnestness is maybe my least favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But the disingenuousness of him to say um, he's a backstop against bad things happening. Do you really believe he believes that? That he's a backstop against bad things happening when it's almost exclusively on him that child poverty rates have spiked to like the greatest increase in the history of them tracking child poverty. It's laid at the feet of Joe Biden and his Republican colleagues. Joe he's Manchin. Not, yeah. He's not a, I, he, I don't consider him like a Democrat. His colleagues are Republicans in ideology or their, their colleagues in ideology. I'm just, you said Joe Biden and his oh, Republican Oh yeah, Joe colleagues. Manchin. Yeah. Sorry. Um, he isn't a backstop against bad things happening. He's a catalyst for bad things to happen, like this increase in child poverty. Yeah, the child poverty rate more than doubled from 2021 to 2022, and that's largely because of the end of pandemic-era benefits. Yeah. And Joe Manchin was very vocal about his opposition to the child tax credit specifically, which lifted millions of people out of poverty. And he expressed concern that parents would use their child tax credit money to buy drugs. Yeah. That's what he said. I mean, we hear that from Republicans all the time, how they're spending their food stamps, how they're spending their benefits. Right, right. Are they buying steak? Well, you just did a video that that, that will post. It hasn't posted yet, but it will post by the time this is up Yeah, uh, on YouTube. I would encourage everybody to go and watch Brittany's most recent video on YouTube that really breaks this down and talks about... Data-driven, research-driven numbers about how that particular lie is just propaganda. Poor people, when given money, aren't spending it wildly on drugs. They're using it for things they need it for, like food and like shelter. Right. And of course they would. Yeah. And this was actually a very enraging moment. I'm glad that you brought it up because Fox News decided to talk about the child poverty numbers and Harris Faulkner had Ugh. two two commentators on to talk about it. And she was blaming Joe Biden for the child poverty numbers. And from under 8 to more than 12%, the child poverty rate, and this is one that really jumped out at me, has more than doubled during that same time. Not only is he wrong, he's hurting people, particularly children, with his policies. Marie. Well, he's actually passed legislation to help reduce child poverty, which most Republicans voted against. So we have to be honest about the facts here. You can find lots of facts and figures on both sides here. Wages are outpacing inflation. We have can, the can we stay with the children for the just G7. a second, though? Because they can't is, get jobs. This, so this the wages don't matter pro- to the children who are now doubled numbers from what they were in poverty. And, and it is lipstick on a pig if you tell me that you want to blame Republicans and anybody else. They vote against it, Harris. They vote against legislation that helps children get out of poverty. That's just a fact. And so, look, I will agree, though, that there is still economic pain out there. And so the Biden team has as their job to make the case to the American people why these numbers that in many cases are good, not all, why they are better than what the alternative would be if Donald Trump is reelected. I'm sympathetic to this commentator who I think is representing the Democratic view because it is difficult to be live on TV and get your stuff together. Right. Also, the the way it works with your IFB, with your earpiece, 
Harris Faulkner is just booming over her, it's hard to break in. Sometimes when you see this on TV, it's it's like, why, why aren't they just like running roughshod? It's not like a normal conversation. It's a lot of tech issues, and she did she did a good job. Yeah, I mean, immediately pivoting though to wages was a mistake, yes. and it was a huge opening that she gave Harris Faulkner to jump in because she really should have stuck with the child poverty numbers and how this is at the hands of Republicans because the enhanced child tax credit, the child tax credit, is not new. It was enhanced with the American Rescue Plan, and all it did was offer six monthly payments, six monthly payments, two hundred and fifty to. $300 per child, depending mm-hmm. on the age, and just six payments of a few hundred dollars lifted millions of people out of poverty. It's that easy. Yeah. It's that easy. And Republicans fought against benefits in the American Rescue Plan. And since those benefits ended, they sunsetted and they weren't they weren't extended, like nine million people have been added to the, the there's not roles of poverty, but have been plunged into back into poverty because that small amount of money is all it takes. And if that small amount of money can decrease the number to record lows, it means just by extension, the transit of property, we can end child poverty and poverty in this country just by spending a little bit of money. Stop giving the Pentagon nearly $1 trillion a year, nearly $1,000 billion a year is given to a non-warring American Pentagon. There's no war. The next 10 nations combined don't spend the money we spent. Yeah, it's absurd. And then we have children going hungry. We have people in poverty, languishing in poverty for their entire lives because we want to fund. We have priorities that are ghoulish in America. It is disgusting. Yeah, and you hear numbers about the child tax credit. Other anti-poverty programs are able to cut poverty by whatever percentage. You know, 30%, 40% was often floated for the child tax credit alone in, in, in its ability to cut poverty. If we can cut poverty using one policy by 30 to 40%, right. we can eliminate poverty yeah. in this country. And it is something that everyone should want because our society will be better. It will be safer. It will be healthier. All of the things that Republicans are complaining about on Fox News, the crime all the time, you know, what will help with crime is alleviating poverty. Yeah. <laughs> and then people aren't stealing at the CVS that you want to buy your deodorant at. So if we take care of poverty, it will solve a lot of society's problems. Not all of them entirely. Sure. I'm not saying that cr- crime will be eradicated, but I'm saying that it will significantly decrease sure. if people are not desperate and in need. But it shows that Republicans don't care about solving those problems. What they care about is giant, inflated, bloated defense budgets, giving tax cuts to billionaires and uber-wealthy Americans. But for me, this this clip is so emblematic of conservatives and their lies that she can, with a straight face, be blaming Joe Biden and Democrats for the increase in child poverty, completely ignoring all of the facts, all of the evidence, all of the votes. It's it's similar to these Republicans who go into their districts and tout the infrastructure bill and all of good things that are happening in their districts, not saying, oh, yeah, but I voted against this. It's the same exact thing, but it's just a propaganda outlet boosting the message of Republicans. It is very frustrating. Yes, yes. No, it we, is. 
we would love to hear from you. Sorry, I stepped on your last yes. I'm just, yes, yes. <laughs> six, five, seven, four, six, Reach four. Reach it. Take us to church. 7609, everybody. <laughs> uh, you can email a voice memo or a regular old-fashioned email to uh, idoubtit at dollamore.com. That, that is where we're going to leave you today. We love and appreciate you, and we would invite you to help support the work we do on this podcast. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. You can pick a tier, take part in the community there. We love our Patreon family and they would love to welcome you in yes, to the family. Again, patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Uh, we love you guys. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page. That's me. I'm Jesse Dollamore and this has been episode 884 of I doubt it.